Welcome to What Christians Should Know, How You Can Apply Biblical Principles to Everyday Life. Hello everyone, I'm your host, Dr. Elijah Sadafel, and in today's short, we'll be doing a case study of King Ahab. Our focus will be on 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 17 to 19. To give everyone a general idea of where we are in the Bible, the events we will discuss happen in the 9th or 8th century BC, so we are roughly 850 years before Jesus was born. We are in the Kingdom of Israel, the northern part of the once unified nation of God's chosen people. Ahab is king, and he and his wife Jezebel have effectively nudged the nation toward idolatry. Instead of devoting themselves exclusively to the Lord, the people follow false gods, namely Baal and Asherah. In fact, in the preceding verses we learn that Jezebel had many prophets of God killed, so the ones that survived had to run and hide in caves. Our theme verses describe a verbal confrontation between the prophet Elijah and King Ahab. Elijah, of course, is a prophet of the Lord, and in Hebrew his name even means, My God is Jehovah. The last time Elijah and Ahab spoke was in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. There, Elijah basically goes up to the king and says, There will be no rain, and then leaves. The result was severe famine in the land. Ahab subsequently spent much time and energy trying to find Elijah, since he was the one who presumably caused drought. Now, approximately three years later, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 17 to 19, the two meet again. Those verses say, When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is this you, you troubler of Israel? He said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed the Baals. Now then, send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel, together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. What are the general roles of the players in this brief scene? Well, Ahab is the king, a political ruler. Elijah is a prophet, a mouthpiece for God. The king, being a politician, tries to blame Elijah for all the nation's woes. He calls Elijah a troubler, which comes from a Hebrew word that means to royal water or to make the liquid muddy by disturbing the sediment. In other words, Elijah shook things up. Elijah responds by saying, No, I am not the troubler, but you and your father's house are the troublers. Elijah then gives us a reason why Ahab is the troubler. Because he, as the leader of the people, abandoned God's commandments and instead followed false gods. What's very interesting is that although Elijah was the one who told Ahab about the drought to come, God was the one who already warned the Israelites that disobedience was directly related to curses, including drought and famine. If we go back to Deuteronomy 28, God describes the terms of the covenant he made with the people of Israel. In that chapter, God basically tells the people, if you obey, you will be blessed, but if you disobey, you will be cursed. So now here we are in 1 Kings 18 with a king and a people who supposedly should know God, his law, and the consequences of disobedience to that law, but they are willfully disregarding God's word. It therefore shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that the land is under a curse. This is the advantage we have in modernity to look back into history with a wide lens and see acute episodes in the grand arc of the Bible narrative. 
A crucial idea to take away is that Ahab, as a leader with power, is largely to blame for the nation's troubles, but his sin blinds him from seeing that he is actually the bad guy, not Elijah. Sin is irrational, so it has warped the mind of Ahab so that he calls the prophet of God a troubler and blames someone else for the problem that he is responsible for. Indeed, sin persuading people to blame someone else for their problem isn't novel to 1 Kings. We see the effects of sin in Genesis in the Garden of Eden, when after the fall of humankind, Adam began to blame God. The confrontation between Elijah and Ahab has two applications. The first application is that when kings, rulers, or heads of state regard themselves as sovereign, the people suffer. Even more, when politicians or political ideology operate autonomously without prophetic input from the church, the results are inevitably disastrous. I have already produced a three-part series on the church and the state, so instead of elaborating on this here, I will direct everyone to podcast episodes 2.11, A, B, and C. The brief statement I will make is that, at least for Americans, theistic principles heavily informed the founding ideas, philosophies, and laws that brought the American state into existence. Hence, although there is a wall of separation in the jurisdictions of the church and the state, theistic principles were used to lay the foundation of the state. By necessity, then, the state cannot be godless because a belief in the Creator inspired the state's creation in the first place. The government was never meant to guide its people less God, and whenever God is taken off the throne, idolatry results. The sad reality is that because of idolatry, the people will suffer the most based on the decisions of a select few who suffer little, if at all. The second application is that no one is above receiving instruction, and we should always be intellectually humble enough to realize that we can always learn something. Ahab was a king and answered to no one. He was so blinded by sin and his position that he was unwilling to accept the fact that his policies were actually wrong. Common sense should have informed Ahab that Elijah foretold of drought, and it happened, so Elijah is the precise person that deserved an attentive audience. One can only imagine if Ahab said, I wonder if Elijah is right, and then opened his ears. Ahab is not a bad guy that is remote from modern experience because there is a version of Ahab inside of us, a person that stubbornly holds on to secular ideology and refuses to let go. Ideological pride is a plague that particularly infects politics in that one party has a particular idea and is obstinate that anything else cannot be right. Well, here's a great question anyone can always ask themselves. What if I'm wrong? Perhaps if Ahab entertained the idea that his platform of idolatry was not right, he would be open to instruction. Perhaps if liberals entertained the idea that their ideology is not right, they would be open to instruction. Perhaps if conservatives entertained the idea that their ideology is not right, they would be open to instruction. Perhaps if sin stopped trying to preserve and maintain the selfish self, then everyone would be more open to instruction. Over and over again, the Bible tells us that there is wisdom, or knowing the facts, and there is understanding, knowing what to do with those facts. The first step in being wise is fearing the Lord, and the second step is to admit that in the grand scheme of things, you know nothing. This humble recognition prevents a person from becoming deluded into thinking they are omniscient and have all the right answers. 
Consider what the following verses from Proverbs say. 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. 3.7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. 4.7 says, The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom, and with all your acquiring, get understanding. 13.1 says, A wise son accepts his father's discipline, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. I believe we can all get the most out of the confrontation with Elijah and Ahab, not by pointing fingers at Ahab and mockingly saying, look at what he did. Instead, we can use the episode as a trigger for self-reflection and ask ourselves, what if I'm wrong? We can also ask ourselves, are there any areas in my life where the word of God speaks directly to me, but I refuse to listen and am so stubborn that I blame something else instead? Truly, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Thank you for listening. For more valuable content, including written transcripts, a bookstore, and online Bible study, please visit wcsk.org.